Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, y'all, it's Alante, and you're listening to Black and in Grad School, the podcast that helps women and people of color like you excel in this journey. If you're listening, I believe you are an aspiring or current scholar who wants to successfully navigate this process by sharing my experience while pursuing my PhD and interviewing other Black graduate students or early career professionals. It is my hope that you can glean encouragement, advice, and strategies that you can apply to your journey. Thanks for listening. Hey, y'all, back with another episode of Black and in Grad School, and I'm really excited for our guest today, Adebukola. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. I'm really excited you're here. Um, you reached out from Forbes the Culture, which like, yes. so, <laughs> it was like, what? oh my gosh, I don't even know how that happened. So shout out to Forbes the Culture. I appreciate whoever shared my info um, in there, but Let's get right to it, okay? So tell us where you're at and what you're studying. Yeah, so my name's Ida Vicola, as y'all know. Um, I'm based in Boston. I'm studying um, for my master's in digital media management at Northeastern University. Very dope. And are you originally from Boston? Yeah, I'm a local. I was born and raised. Like when I say I was born and raised, I literally <laughs> was born like literally around the corner from Northeastern. Um, oh. Yeah, it, it was born and raised here. Went to college here, getting my master's here. So yeah, definitely a Bostonian to the core. Love it. So what drew you to digital media management? Is that what you studied in undergrad as well? Yep. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. I studied political science and Africana studies um, in my undergrad. At Emmanuel College, which is also around the corner from Northeastern, um, um, and I got into digital media management. It was—it's a really like weird, not weird, but I have um, being in political science and Africana studies really promulgated me to get into the media studies because one thing I learned in Africana studies and learning politics together is that the media was such a, a very important tool for black organizing traditions. Um, and I was so interested and fascinated about how media really um, changes how people view themselves and view the world. And I just knew like, this is the space that I wanted to be in. I want to be in the space to to really manage how um, my images um, are being, my stories are being told pertaining to black women. So um, digital media management was definitely like a no brainer for me. Yeah, I, I love that. And so the, Tell us a little bit more about that journey. You know, you were studying Africana and poli sci. Did you go straight into grad school? Did you work a while and figure this out? Like, how did you decide, you know, because that is still a bit of a pivot. So how did you decide or make the decisions behind that pivot? What was going on in your life? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to keep it real, real. Like, how I broke down what I wanted to study in college was based on a lot of things. Number one, I said, all right, what programs can I be a part of? 
that do not require me to take a GRE because I do not <laughs> believe in standardized testing. So it's like, it was just kind of like, all right, now we got down to like the last most, you know, program digital media management made the most sense for me because it really aligned with where I was going with my career. I mean, I've been in the media for years. I was a freelance writer. I've been published from various publications and have worked in a hard new setting or have, you know, had that kind of, um, experience working with the editor and stuff, reaching deadlines, making edits. So I just knew that this is the place I wanted to be in. When I was in political science and Africana studies in college, um, I, I went to college really to um, further my personal self. It was never about getting a job for me. Um, although I know that was the natural next step. So I didn't, honestly, I didn't stress. Like it was like my last week of senior year and people had min new minted jobs, were already getting job offers. And I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do, where I'm going to go, but I'm not going to stress or kill myself or nobody. Like, I'm just going to figure this out as I go. Like, I'm not, I'm not stressed. I mean, I did feel bad, like not like coming out of college and having a job, but mm -hmm. I did a lot of, you know, things in the community. I worked as an RA at Harvard for the summer I worked as a playground assistant at an elementary school, and then I ended up getting a job working as a program advisor, which I'm still doing now at a high school working with students of color um, in low-income communities. So that's been really rewarding, and a part of my purpose is to teach and to support other people in their academic and social life. So mm -hmm. I mean, very aligned, but... Getting my master's was more of like, all right, I'm in school, I'm in Boston, you know, I know I want to do this for a few years, I might as well get my master's in the interim, and I might as well try to get my master's for free, because there was a program um, here at um, Northeastern called Martin Luther King Jr. Graduate Fellowship at the John mm -hmm. D. O'Brien African American Institute, and I was like, all right, I'm going to go for that, and if I get it, I'll go. I'll, if I didn't get it, I, I would not have went to grad school, because I don't believe that. Yeah. I should have to pay for grad school. We can get into that later, but that's kind of kind of the journey. It's like, I didn't really have a plan, but still ended up here, um, because it was just too stressful to think of a plan. It was way too stressful. Absolutely. And I, I, I think you brought up a couple of points, too. Like, a lot of times we might feel pressure, whether we're choosing graduate school or not, to, like, have it all figured out, fresh out of undergrad, also, like, in every way, right? Like, where am I going to work? What am I going to do next? which sometimes can put undue pressure or make us make a decision that really isn't in our best interest or finding us in a place where we're like, I don't even like this work. Then secondly, you know, you were realistic about what you were willing to do as far as grad school. Like you didn't want to take a GRE, you found programs that fit into that. And we are moving into a world, I think now, where there are going to be fewer, fewer programs that require a GRE. Um, mm -hmm. That's not for everything but like you know especially at the master's level I see that becoming less and less of a requirement so for those of you all who are like yes I feel that <laughs> know that you know the world is hearing you and times are changing and then the last thing that I think is really critical is the fellowship right a lot of people assume that with a master's especially if they're not going for the PhD they have to pay for their graduate program and so it sounds like you did your due diligence on the front end to find a fellowship that will support your graduate studies. Yeah, I mean, I, I love it because it's so aligned with who I am. There's lots of fellowships out there. Um, I think there are fewer fellowships that are centered around Blackness. And sure. I just love it. Like, I'm able to do community work. Like, I'm literally in grad school for doing the work that I was doing preceding that. Like, 
the, the community work I was doing, working with young people, like all of that, I, you know, was, was a major factor in their decision to accept me into the program um, because I'm all about the community. And I know sometimes um, it doesn't look flashy um, and people want to do the flashy things. They think that that's what people see. But there are a lot of opportunities out there for people who are, are literally just community members doing the work that's not often praised. So it was it was really um, a, re- a really good factor into my acceptance. And I love that it's centered around Martin Luther King and centered around supporting undergraduates on campus, um, black undergraduates on campus. And I just I just love I love it. Like I, when I walk into the African-American Institute, the black is just it just overwhelms you. Like it's so dope. Like we have the Cabral Center. We have like on all the walls, you see all of the classes of other black students that graduated from Northeast. And it's just incredible. We have really famous alums like Wendy Williams and legacy programs it's it's really an incredible program and it's still being developed but i i love it and i'm so proud to be a part it's really an honor and a privilege and you know it's it's also you know a little stressful because it's like now like you're seen as an excellent student right black excellence and there is some pressure that comes with that especially as it pertains to your academics and you know being strong academically um so i i totally i totally agree and i think it's good that you found something that aligned and I want to know, like, what has it been like for you being a Black woman in graduate school? I don't really know the makeup of Northeastern, um, but I, I feel like it's a pretty safe guess to think that in Boston, it's a predominantly white institution. So, like, what has that been like and what kind of, like, tools or coping mechanisms or skills have you kind of made sure that you used to navigate? Yeah. My thank you so much for this question because I think I had to build those coping mechanisms. I had to build those skills while I was in college because I had an awful college undergraduate experience and it really prepared me to go into Northeast and especially being armed with the African American Institute to walk into those spaces and be like, no, this is how we're going to do this. This time around, I, I want to have a positive experience. I mean, I've, I've been through things, you know, while I've been in grad school. I just completed all of my classes and have one more quarter left. So I'll be graduating this year. Um, but I think I really approach this one with more fierceness than ever before. You know, I walked into my first class, um, my first class ever in grad school and straight up told the professor, you know what, you need to slow down because like literally I would, I would ballpark it and say 80% to 90% of the students in the digital media management program here at, at Northeastern are not white. <laughs> so that's mm-hmm. interesting, right? Like yeah. I'm at a predominantly white school, but in a program that's literally not white. There's literally like no white people in my classes. Probably I probably have had a class with like maybe one or two white people and then, you know, maybe one or two black people or just myself. And the rest of them are um from Japan, from China, from India, from all different places in the um Asian world. And it's really interesting because I feel like I have more traumatic experiences being in all white spaces and being in a non-white space um, had been safer, but has still been challenging uh, because most of the students, English was, English was their second language. So oftentimes in groups, I was seeing like people would love to like group up with me when we had group projects. So they knew that I could be, I could speak on their behalf um, when we were doing things or we were discussing our work. So that was, that was a lot of pressure. You know what I mean? Like 
this is a whole new level of like black excellence. Like, dang, like I have to really lead in this way. Um, because you know, as black woman or a black student in academia, you know, you have to work 10 times harder, but I feel like I have to work 11 times harder, you know, being in a non-white space because people were depending on my ability to speak English, you know, my ability to, to, to communicate with the professor who was not, not Asian and didn't understand their language. Like I had professors who were just awful. And I had to tell a professor once, like, you need to slow down. This student, um, a lot of the students here, English is their second language. And, you know, they don't understand what you're saying. Like, I could see one girl, like, behind me, like, crying because she really, really couldn't get what the professor was saying. He was just moving. Like, you need to read the room. You're a whole professor. Like, you need to Mm -hmm. slow down and calm down. There's no rush here. We have three hours. (laughs) And I need you to explain that again. And he was, like, mad. But it's just, like, I don't care. Like, do your job. Like, we're all here trying to, to thrive. We're not, you know, undergrads anymore. We've been there, done that. We're not doing this here. So it, it is there is a challenge to be in academia and really speak up for yourself. Like, it's not going to just be a cakewalk, you know? Yeah. And so I think that's really powerful, you know, like, the fact that a lot of students leaned into you where I feel like I've heard maybe uh, different stories where you know, different groups of students like our, uh, South Asians or Korean students will like group together, you know, and and exclude their domestic students. So I'm really happy to like kind of hear a different story, but also like you said, it comes with a different level of pressure because now you're like probably always the spokesperson, you know, for mm-hmm. work or for projects, which does give you more practice, but in the other end, you know, it's like, uh, can somebody else speak this time? <laughs> right. I mean, I, I'd be lying if I said, you know, the experience was horrible, but that yeah. feeling of illusion is still there. And I think a lot for me, from my personal experience, I think it was just a lot of it was just the language barrier. Like it wasn't that, you know, the students in my class didn't like me or they were trying to group. It was just people who spoke the same language were more likely to to sit together and work together because it was easier for them. Um, but what I got to like know students individually, because a lot of the people in my classes or part of my cohort, like started at the same time as me. So we would be in the same classes together a lot of the times. Um, and I got to know a lot of people in my program over the past two years more intimately and really got to know where their strengths are, where their weaknesses are, what their dreams are, their goals, who the, their families are. But there is that sense of exclusion. There's definitely, I definitely feel that for sure. You know, definitely, you know, feel the exclusion. It's, and it, it hurts, but it's just like, shit, at least I don't want to be white people. <laughs> like every day I'm like, oh, well, you know what? You were worse than all the white people. You have a better chance here with non-white folks. Um, and I will say it's been a better experience. But I do know that that's not the overall experience of every Black student here in Northeastern. I believe, you know, Northeastern is still fighting super hard. Not Northeastern. Black students at Northeastern are fighting super hard. The African-American Institute is fighting super hard to bring more inclusion, more diversity, and more stand, uh, positive standards of practice around the Black students' experience, because I would say, I, I could probably give you a ballpark that a lot of Black students, I would say most, have struggled at Northeastern because of this. I personally, it's just a little different because I came from an institution that was much more, I mean, a hundred years behind in terms of racial, <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. racial, uh, I don't even know what word it is, but like just racial advancement. So it's, coming to Northeastern was like, it's like a relief for me, but I know for students who are traditionally from Northeastern, because a lot of graduate students actually attended Northeastern for their undergraduates. They had been at Northeastern for so long where I'm a newcomer and like, oh, this is better than when I just came from. So I'm going to appreciate every little thing. So I also recognize that nuance there, you know? 
Yeah, for sure, for sure. I I mean, I think that that's, that's real for, like, I think so many people, right? Like, if you only know one experience, you're going to, like, you know, view it from a different lens where it's like, oh, no, I have been treated the worst than this. This is actually pretty good. So, you know, it, it runs the gamut, and I, I definitely can um, – that resonates with me as well, um, coming from one school to another and, and really experiencing, like, really, really poor treatment in comparison to, like, bad um, or, like, not great, you know? <laughs> um, so – I want to know, you kind of mentioned in the beginning that you that you work, and it sounds like you're still also a full-time graduate student, and something else I want to talk about is like the work that you're doing outside of that. So before we even jump into it, tell us everything that you kind of do, like like the things that you're over, like your job, your school, and then your business. Yes, I do a plethora of things. Um and I first want to say, like, people hear the stuff I do and like, are you crazy? Like, do you exist? But the good thing about a lot of the work that I do is I'm I'm able to find a balance between them all. Like, they all connect. They all connect. Mm-hmm. It all makes sense in my mind. And that's the reason why I'm able to do so many of these things. So first and foremost, I am a business owner, small business owner, have a media consulting business. I actually had it since 2016 and was one of the things that made me attractive to the graduate program because I've already been immersed in the work, working with clients on marketing strategies. My whole business is around supporting locals and individuals because I just don't believe, and I know this for a fact, that most individuals, you know, do not have Coca-Cola money and vast Mm -hmm. marketing budgets. You know, everybody starts out small. Um, So we help people who have smaller budgets really create something beautiful from their marketing efforts. You know, you don't have to be rich for your marketing to, to, to thrive. Um, so that's kind of the whole goal around my business. And after that, I am also a program advisor at a high school. Again, I work with a socially economically disadvantaged students to succeed in, in high school, kind of navigate the high school, their high school experience, um, be accepted into college and lead a wonderful life. The whole point of the program is that, you know, to pull people out of poverty, but they should go to college. Obviously, that framework is changing. So I also support students and there's postgraduate plans that don't involve college, like whether you want to do, you know, um, Job Corps or Peace Corps or work or become an entrepreneur. I've been able to really support students in that endeavor as a business owner myself. So I think academia is changing altogether where people are not doing the traditional high school, college path. So yeah. I've pivoted over the last few years, um, supporting students who want to, you know, go, you know, take a year off of, of high school. I'm, I'm after high school and do something else. So I pivoted on that. And I'm a full-time grad student. Um, in order for me to be a fellow for the African-American Institute, I have to be in the program full-time. It's not a part-time gig. So I'm yeah. doing pretty much all of these three roles full-time. And I have other, you know, um, smaller roles that I, I take on. Like this year, I took on a position with Seeds of Fortune which is a nonprofit organization about uh, economically empowering women of color who are pursuing college. So I'm a site director for the um, for Boston. So it's based in New York. Um, they have you know a cohort in New Jersey and DC. Um, and we just started the Boston cohort. We just graduated our first two students who both are going to college on a full ride. That's kind of runs the gamut of a lot of the things that I do. And the, the balancing it has been been very tricky it's been very very difficult like I have to wake up I do not have a life (laughs) I do not have a life at all I have to wake up and grind and hustle like my schedule has to be on point to the t google calendar has saved my life all the google products have saved my life 
it's um, been a journey. And I think this position is perfect for someone like me because I'm a highly motivated individual. Like it's not something that I have to learn. Um, it's not something that, you know, I have to, you know, listen to a podcast about, you know, what I mean, no shade to anybody who does that because those be helping. And sometimes I, you know, just have it playing because I love the like extra motivation, but I'm just a naturally motivated individual from a very young age. Uh, my parents would tell you, like, she's always getting up and trying to figure out something else, trying to do something else. Like, I'm just very creative. So I love the challenge. I love being able to do so many things. Um, but a lot of it is a matter of survival. Like, I'm a black woman in America. Like, I got to get to the bag if I want to succeed. You yeah. know what I mean? And I'm like, okay, how can I, you know, secure myself financially, but also do the things that I love and the things that I know are necessary for my people, right? Like, I know that education is absolutely necessary because I could be working at a big marketing firm. I could be, I literally can be doing anything else. And I'm like, no, I need to be where the young people are. I need to be educating. I need to be on the ground. And that's what I intend to do forever. Like, I want to be able to work with my people forever at all times. So a lot of my, what I think brings all of these different positions together is that I get to work with Black people. Like, I work at a predominantly white high school, but literally all of my students are Black, Latino, Asian. Like, all of them are are non-white students. And I think it's so important for me to be in those spaces supporting them and telling them the truth and teaching them their history and, you know, being supportive in the ways that the school isn't, you know, supplementing. I love being in grad school because I'm representing, um, again, my people, you know what I mean? And I'm supporting my people by not just being excellent, but by doing community work and using my position to bring other people up as well. Like I'm a big um, fan of this fellowship and I've been telling so many students about it because a lot of people don't even know about these opportunities to, you know, get paid to go to grad school or get fully funded. So I'm like a big advocate for the fellowship um, and have been, spreading the word about it to a lot of students. And with my business, I get to work with a lot of Black-owned businesses, again, who don't have, you know, crazy budgets to do marketing work or to um, build their brand. I'm able to work with people individually. So all of this has been in, in paying homage to my people, paying homage to the ancestors. Everything I do has to be aligned with that at all times. Like, I mm. personally just, I cannot, and I probably will not, you know, um, be working on behalf of anything else. I don't care what I'm doing. I don't care if I work even in corporate America. It has to be centered around Blackness. And I think that's what um, makes this work so seamless for me. And yeah, like, I, I don't know what else to say. Like, it, it's just all for my people. Yeah. And I think that's how, like you said, everything connects and you're able to manage it all is because you kind of have this, like, guiding thought. Like, it's all you know, for the empowerment of my people. And if it touches my people, it aligns and I can make it work. Right. Mm-hmm. And that that's what I feel like I'm hearing, which I think is really dope. And everyone listening, you know, finding whatever that thing is for you. I think for a lot of us, you know, it is our people. That's how this podcast got started. I was like, yo, we need <laughs> more Black graduate stories. <laughs> possible. And there's like so many different versions of the experience that I want to just highlight. Um, so, you know, the same way that that you, you know, you find a way to make it work. I think that we all can kind of figure it out. And again, it doesn't have to be about your people. It could be whatever, whatever's moving you. It could be the topic. It could be health. It could be, you know, fitness or, men, you know, mental health, what have you. But I think that's really, really key for you to be successful is like having that kind of guiding, motivating thoughts that kind of keep you moving. So I, I think that's really dope. 
And it sounds like you also are very organized, like very organized. How do you take care of yourself with you balancing and doing so much? So self-care is something that I'm still working on. It's one of my biggest weaknesses because it's really hard to take care of myself doing so many different things and having so many different responsibilities um, because I'm not here solely for myself. Like, you know, of course, everyone doesn't know this full story, but I, I you know, I have a young sibling who actually attends the high school I work at and I'm her guardian, right? Like I have a lot of responsibilities that most people would never even, can't even fathom. They're like, what? So you need to tell me this, that, and the third? I'm like, yeah, y'all, like I take care of everything. So it's really difficult. It's really, really difficult. I haven't mastered that yet. But one thing that I will say has been pivotal for me is waking up extra, extra, extra early and just doing as much as I can um, and making most use of the day. Um, I read a quote from Toni Morrison. I, I, to this day, I'm still finding that quote, but she talked about how like, people are like, how are you such an amazing writer? She was like, listen, y'all, after 1 p.m., my 1 p.m., my brain is literally mush. So I have to wake up. Or all those books you got, the bluest eye, all them dope books y'all love, listen, you got that because I woke up early. So ever since I read that quote, I'm like, dang, yes, that's so true. My brain works better in the morning. Um, I wouldn't say I'm a morning person, but my brain definitely is on. It's more creative. It's more refreshed in the morning. So getting up early is pivotal for me, especially during quarantine, having had a little bit more time you know, not to travel an hour to work and all that stuff. I really utilize that time to write down my ideas, write down what I'm going to do for the day. I'm able to do so many different things by having, again, Google Calendar. I am a big fan um, because I'm able to integrate all of the different emails I have. I have a job email. I have a business email. I have another business email. I have so many emails. I'm attached to my name, school email. So it, being able to integrate all of those emails into one seamless calendar really helps because all of my responsibilities are color-coded. So if it's red, I know that's Northeastern. If it's blue, I know that that's, you know, work for the high school. If it's green, or yellow, or purple, I know that's for my business. So I'm really able to, like, break down what I need to do. I've also sought support. So I do have staff members for my business, which is really, really helpful. And how I've been able to do that is by partnering with different um Nonprofit organizations, for example, I'm working with the West End House right now who have a grant to support their students to do internships. So I'm an internship site for them, quote unquote. Um, so I have interns from the West End House, which is really, really helpful um, because it cuts down on overhead costs for me as a small business to have this intern. And then it, it helps them spend the grant money. So finding opportunities where you can find interns that are being paid for. There's lots of, I mean, if you're from Boston, you know Boston is like nonprofit city. There's hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of nonprofits out here. So um, partnering with nonprofits to, to get support for my business has been really, really helpful. In terms of my work, I work with amazing staff members. They're like my family and they're always super supportive of me. Um, both of my coworkers actually are therapists. So <laughs> can you imagine like going to work every day? Like they can tell right away, like something's wrong with her. And they're always like supporting me and giving me free therapy sessions. That's what I call it. They, they think they just be my friends. Nah, those are free therapy sessions because they're both literally um, therapists. So I, I think that's part of the reason why I have my mind together. People are like, how are you able to do it all? And I think it's just the nature of my life. Like I walk into a space where it's called work for me. For me, it's my passion. Like I love doing the work that I do. I love supporting students. I love helping them to, you know, different opportunities that are out there. I love helping them change their minds or see their world in a different view because the town that I work in is a bubble. 
And I think that can be very problematic for Black students when they live in a bubble because it's such a culture shock when they go out into the world and they go mm. out into, you know, the college spaces and, and realize that things aren't as friendly as they thought it was. So I love to give them that dash of reality, but also give them the tools to help them um, make changes where they see that they're being faulted, especially as a Black student. So I think that that, like, dynamic of being able to walk into a space, number one, that's trauma sensitive, um, with two coworkers and a therapist really, really helps, right? Like a lot in terms of my work. Uh, my work is very flexible. Um, so I'm able to do so much while I'm at work, um, whether it's supporting my students, supporting my own purposes, working on homework. <laughs> Cause again, I work in an academic setting. I'm literally in an academic setting 90% of the day. <laughs> I'm, I'm either at the high school or I'm at the college. So I think, again, that works really well for me because I'm working in academia. So I think my coworkers and the environment that I'm in is more conducive to like me doing my work. And, you know, I'm with other people who went to graduate school. So I'm able to ask questions and, you know, get support from people, um, for teachers. Like sometimes I, I attend some of my students' classes just to see what they're learning because I'm curious. And I learned so much there. And I've been able to make a lot of great connections with, you know, educators in high school um, who supported me. Actually, a couple of educators recommended me. Um, they knew some of the individuals who were on the panel for the scholarship that I got to attend grad school and were able to put in a good word for me. So I just think, again, it's just the dynamic of my life that allows me to thrive in the work I do and allows me to do so much. And that's why I take advantage of it. You know, how could I have such a dynamic and then not work and go to school and have a business? Like, it just works for me. Um, but it's difficult. Um, and I do feel the need to do a lot of these things because, especially when it comes to work, um, because I have to provide for my family. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, this is not the cloud. This is not, like, you know, the stress Olympics. Like, I do this because I have to. Um, and I shouldn't have to. No black woman or man could have to feel the need to do so much. And we do because we're fighting for our lives. Um, and I hope that can change in the future. But a lot of the work that I do, again, is centered around blackness. I do it because I love it, but also because it's necessary for me and my people. And I am able to balance it all because of the dynamic of my life of being in an academic setting um, that's friendly to me going to college. But self-care is something that I can't speak to because I'm still learning how to do those things. But again, getting up early has been one of the great, like it's just been saving me and praying, seeking out you know support from my friends and family. Yeah. I hope that answers the question. I feel like I was rambling. Yeah. But I mean, you said a you said a lot, but it was useful, and I think that you you recognize that you are doing a lot. But I think also something you get a lot of fulfillment from the work you do, and so sometimes yeah. I feel like when people have that level of fulfillment, you know, the, that moment of rest and care may not necessarily be as necessary. You know, all the time it depends on the person, of course. <clears throat> so, you know, it sounds like also you know that might be an area that you can spend some give some attention you know when you're able my my next thing I want to know um is what are your plans after graduate school same thing as when I was in college I try my hardest not to think too hard about it mm -hmm. because one thing and now that I've been through the pro what I love about grad school is like hmm, I've been here before I already went through college so it's like again this time around I really want to be intentional about the experience that I had and making sure it was positive because college was such a yeah it was such a um experience it was a really bad one so I wanted to make sure my graduate school experience was better so I I'm trying not to think too hard about it 
Because mm-hmm. number one, I know for a fact that I'm doing the work. And the work is going to lead me somewhere. I can't stress. I mean, I have a five-year goal. I have a five-year plan. I have the 10-year I have those plans. But I'm trying my hardest not to think so hard about it that I stress myself out because that did give me a sense of anxiety in college, watching other people get acceptance letters. I mean, kids were in their junior year, I'm mean, sophomore year of college and already got job offers. Like, well, how did you do that? So I, I tried my heart not to think too hard about it, but I know for a fact that I want to transition into agency space. You know, I really need that experience as a marketer. I think working for myself and building my own practices and working with small businesses has been great. But as a marketer, you really need that hard, like, hard number experience um, where you're working with scaling businesses to really be able to say, okay, I'm a marketer. I know how to grow something from here to here. I think Mm. it's important. I don't think it's a hundred percent necessary, but all successful marketers have experience working in a a, a scalable environment. And I need that experience. It's very, very important. I have to be able to show that I can take a business from here to there, right? Like, like all the way there, not like, baby steps, like millions of dollars and we're, you know, we're coming back and we're doing all like bowls in the St. John type type moves. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I, that's where I definitely want to be in my life at some point. But again, I'm not thinking too, too hard about it. But I know that I, you know, want to work. I definitely like my dream job is to work for Instagram and the creative department and branding and marketing department. So I'm putting that out there. Anybody who listens to this, you know, you can hire me. But <laughs> I really... <laughs> Hello, um, but I'm again. I'm not going to stress myself about it. I know that I'm doing the work. When the opportunity comes, I'm going to apply. I'm going to get let God do the rest. You know, I, I as just one place. I'm, I refuse to stress in because, especially in this very volatile and harsh um, job search environment, it's, yeah. it's going to be difficult more than ever to get a job. And I realized, like, once COVID-19 started, I was like, yo, jobs are going to be so, like, everything's changed. Nothing's going to be the same. And it's going to be hard to get jobs, um, especially as a new graduate. So um, I'm not going to stress myself about it. But I I do have a plan. I do have goals and dreams. um, And I'm going to manifest them. And I'm going to put them to the universe. And I'm going to do my best to to continue finding those opportunities, but I will not stress myself about it. Like I refuse to. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I, I we love to hear it. Okay, like <laughs> you're not be stressed about it, and I think that's a great, a really healthy um, perspective to have because it is like a crazy time to be finishing school, kind of at any point, right? High school, college, uh, grad school, just because of the the economic. Um, space that we're in in the U.S. So, you know, I absolutely wish you the best. And before we get to our very last segment, I always like to ask our guests if they have any advice, um, you know, for our listeners or anything like maybe I didn't ask you that you really want to make sure that our listeners take away from our conversation. Yeah. So um, for anybody who is pursuing grad school or is looking to apply definitely feel free to reach out to me. I'm more than happy to talk to you. And I'm sure you'll get all my information in the podcast um, to talk to you about um, pursuing grad school and some of the skills and things that I've done. Like there's so many tips and tricks that I've learned um, even in college. For example, like I didn't have money for all these extra books they were trying to have us buy. I just didn't have it. Um, and my number one strategy is somebody else took this class. 
somebody else has this book and is not using it anymore. It's collecting dust on their shelf. So I'm always a big believer, and I probably should set a whole organization off of this, of finding people who have already taken the course and asking them for their books. And that's always worked for me. Like I spent just maybe a couple hundred dollars in college on books for four years. Um, mm-hmm. Same thing in grad school. Like I spent probably nothing more than a hundred dollars in the past two years. And I've taken like a couple dozen, you know, dozen classes and they all had books that required me to buy. Um, but I haven't had that hurdle of, of, of book money because I've always been able to find someone else who took the class, who has the book printouts, you know, I just, it's just a money saver for me. Um, so like things like that, I, I'm really good at and I have perspective on that and would love to help anybody, especially if you're in the Boston area, um, take advantage of that strategy or anyone else. So I think that's like the main thing. Like there's so many ways that you can create a, a better experience in grad school because grad school is very, very <laughs> difficult. It's hard. It's fast paced. It's it's high volume experience, especially for someone who is getting a full scholarship based on your academics. Like those academics have to be on point. Like so it, it's always difficult to um pursue college and have a life <laughs> you know it's really really difficult so anybody who needs support needs someone to talk to I'm always here I love it well we appreciate that um the last segment that we always have is lessons from the trap so tell us what you got hey so lessons from the trap the song I chose was royalty by young Dolph and in one of the things he says, he says, my great, great granddaddy used to be a slave. They start to hate on you when they notice you paid. F it. I guess that's the price that you pay. And for me, like hearing that, I said, wow, that is so true. Like no matter what you pursue in life, I think that last part got me like, I guess that's the price that you pay. Like nothing is free. Right. Mm-hmm. So people are like, oh my God, like life must be so easy for you. Like you got a full scholarship. Like at least you don't have to worry about money. And it's just like, okay, yes, absolutely. Praise God. I don't have to worry about money. And that is a real flex. <laughs> and that is a real privilege. But it shouldn't be a flex or a privilege. I feel like every black person in America should be able to pursue um higher education for free. Um, so that's that. So that's something I've had to ponder on. But I also noticed that nothing is free. Like I'm not yeah. like I'm not getting a free education. Like somebody paid for it, but it's not free. Like I'm paying for it in many other ways. I'm paying for it in my health, in my sanity, in my like I'm paying for it in so many ways. And there are times where I'm like, dang, like, is it worth it? You know, and it's just like that's the price you paid, you know, to achieve greatness. Is there there are parts of you that have to be stripped. I feel like my relationships have suffered um during this time because a lot of people around me are not also pursuing the same things I'm doing. So it's, um, and I'm talking about like physically around me, like people that I interact with on a daily, um, mm-hmm. I'm not pursuing some of the things I'm pursuing or have experienced what I'm experiencing in terms of attending, you know, higher education. And it gets frustrating because people don't understand like, no, I can't, I can't do this with you because I got homework. The, the concept of homework is not real for some people. Like, and it's yeah. just like, the, you know, the concept of I have a big project and it's high stakes and like, I can't fail like type of situation. You know what I mean? Um, so it's, it's, you know, you, you always pay, nothing is ever free. Um, and once you know that you're able to really understand, you know, what it is you're willing to sacrifice in the endeavors that you do, like grad school is not for everybody. College is not for everybody. Although I'm a big proponent of, of getting an education and being able to, you know, 
um, jump pay brackets and stuff like that when it comes to work. I'm also a believer that you should do what is best for you. And if entrepreneurship or business, I mean, you could obviously pursue both, but if you're like, you know what, entrepreneurship is really where you thrive. That's great. But understand that there is a price that you pay. So I don't care. Like, I tell my students all the time, it doesn't matter if you don't want to go to college, you're still going to get an education. It's either going to be life or the books. You got to choose one, right? Like no matter what, you can't skip the education part. It doesn't have to be in a college setting, but the education's going to happen if you want to be great. So you have to choose which one, you know, you're willing to to, to, to sacrifice yourself in because you're going to sacrifice it no matter what. It's just the part that human beings cannot skip is the grind. We can't skip that part. You're going to grind regardless. So do you want to do it in a college setting or do you want to do it on your on your own? You know what I mean? Like it's it's this you're going to do the same thing. And if you don't go to college, sometimes it's even more difficult. But some people are cool with that. Some people are willing to sacrifice. You know what? Fine. I don't want to go to college. I don't want no one telling me what to do. I don't thrive in the classroom, which is a whole problem in and of itself because American education is, you know, needs to change. Or, you know, but some people are like, hey, maybe like just doing extra helps me. Like, the, but the, the, the pursuit of like having to find everything on my own and doing that extra work really keeps me alive. Go ahead yeah. and do it. You will pay. <laughs> Nothing is free. So that's kind of what I got from for, from that song. And I just love that song altogether about being royalty, you know. Dope, dope, dope. I love it. So tell us where we can find you on social media, um, in the internet streets. So you can find me on adibucola.com for all things digital, which is a media platform I created for small businesses, entrepreneurs, and even digital marketers to learn about um, marketing, branding, um, and how to elevate their businesses or their brands. So you can find me there. All of our socials are at adebucola.com and um, on all platforms, so whether it's LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, it's adebucola.com for all things digital. Perfect. Well, adebucola, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Um, I will make sure y'all that all that information is in the show notes. And thank you for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Peace. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Black and in Grad School. For more content to help you on your grad school journey, check out blackandgradschool.com. That's B-L-K-I-N gradschool.com. Love this episode? Head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Until next time. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time.